Okay, good afternoon. Welcome to the seminar. Uh, my name is Jerry, and I, it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker today. Uh, Mosin Minyai is a PhD candidate here at Purdue University, working with Professor Annika Kate. His research focuses on designing and implementing better privacy-enhancing mechanisms for content deletion using cryptocurrency as covert channels to bootstrap sensor circumvention tools. That's a mouthful. Prior to joining Purdue, he'd received his bachelor's degree from Sharif University in Tehran and has completed three internships with fraud detection and Xbox teams at Microsoft and one with the blockchain team at uh, Visa. So a very broad experience, and we're happy he's going to come and share some of his experiences with us. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the nice introduction. Uh, uh, again, my name is Molson. Uh, today we're going to talk about deletion privacy, and the title of this talk is uh, Forgetting the Forgotten, Concealed Content Deletion from Persistent Observers. Uh, in recent years, the, with the growth of data sharing and social platforms, the problem of privacy has become more prominent. And this is due to the, that the contents and the activities of individuals are visible and easily traceable all around. Uh, however, what people consider to be sensitive is a relative matter and is not only changes from one person to another, it also changes throughout time. So for example, what I consider to be sensitive might not be sensitive to you. Also, what I consider sensitive during my undergrad has dramatically changed to what I consider right now as a PhD student. Uh, so, in perspective of an adversary who is observing all this information, it's hard to consider what is sensitive since the sensitivity is a relative matter. But the actions of the users and the steps that they take to change their privacy preferences uh, actually reveal this, uh, the sensitive content to the adversaries. Uh, this is also known as the Styrison effect, where the attempt to hide some information has the unintended uh, in, uh, uh, consequence of bringing the public attention to it. Uh, in today's world, uh, people freely open up about their personal life and opinions on social platforms that generate millions of posts each day. Uh, the problem here is that this shared information remains available to the intended and unintended uh, observers in archived by archival systems. Uh, unfortunately, this long-term exposure of the shared data raises numerous longitudinal privacy concerns for the users. So to overcome this exposure problem, uh, users delete their contents. We have seen in earlier work that about 30% of all the tweets in Twitter have been deleted over a six-year period. Uh, so we asked the question, how effective are these deletions in hiding the unwanted information? Uh, let's look at some case studies. Uh, back in 2011, uh, bef before becoming famous, Ed Sharon posted this tweet on his Twitter account. He basically said that uh, to his followers not to listen to Kesha, which is another well-known singer. Uh, six years later, in 2017, Kesha released a new album and he went back and deleted this tweet from his Twitter account. And apparently this was noticed by someone and it was publicized. This led to BuzzFeed uh, publishing this article and going through his other tweets and finding that potential tweets that he might delete uh, later on. And this whole event snowballed and led to Ed Sharon actually deleting his Twitter account altogether. Uh, in another case, Saturday Night, uh, Saturday Night Live uh, hired a new cast member who started to clean up uh, her account uh, by deleting some racist tweets. 
Uh, and this, again, was tracked by third parties and consequently publicized. So we can see that the deletions of celebrities and well-known individuals are being noticed. And this is kind of not a surprise. Uh, but as you saw, that even six or seven-year-old tweets are being publicized. Uh, in another case, we see that uh, Philippa Supreme, sorry for the French pronunciation, which translates to should not delete, is a Twitter account that publishes the deleted contents of not only celebrities and politicians, but also normal daily French users. So, for example, this is a tweet and a retweet of individual that talks about a sensitive subject such as uh, homosexuality that was removed from his Twitter account. And the important thing here is that uh, this uh, user has less than 1,000 followers. So basically a really normal daily user. So again, we see that deletions of even normal daily users are being noticed in today's world. Uh, we find the problem associated with content deletion not to be limited to targeted attacks. In fact, today, multiple web services uh, find and hoard deleted contents across different uh, uh, platforms. So, for example, uh, we have remove edit and unedit uh, that collect the deleted comments in Reddit. Stack printer deleted uh, collects the deleted questions on Stack Overflow. YouTube uh, collected the deleted videos on YouTube, and Polygroups tracks the deleted tweets on Twitter. So, if we look into closer to in just one of these services, Polygroups is a service that collects the deleted tweets of politicians around the world. They report that one in 18 tweets of politicians, uh, one out of 18 of the tweets that the politicians publish are being deleted. Uh, the graph here is showing the deleted tweets of the politicians within EU within the month of June. So we see that collecting and storing deletions on different platforms are happening at large scale also. So we saw three things. One, celebrities and targeted attacks on normal, even daily users, and also saw that this whole collection is also being happening in large scale. So with all these third-party services and stalkers on multiple different platforms, users are left with the question of what to do with their unwanted uh, contents. On one hand, if they delete their, their contents, they may face harassment and blackmail, as we just saw. Or if they don't delete their unwanted information, they're exposing something that they don't want and potentially could be exploited later on. So users are facing the damned if I do, damned if I don't dilemma when trying to get rid of their unwanted information. So how are deletions are happening today in today's world? Basically, there's two, way, two prominent ways that are, uh, these platforms are uh, dealing with deletions. One is the user-initiated deletions, which is deployed by most of the social platforms, such as Facebook and Twitter, where the posts of the users are available until the user itself goes to the platform and specifically deletes that one post. Uh, the problem here is that it attracts the unwanted uh, attention from others when something is deleted. Uh, the second one is the pre-immediate withdrawal mechanism, which is either age-based or inactivity-based. For example, Snapchat or uh, Instagram stories, uh, all the posts get eventually deleted based on some criteria. It could be some time or if there's no activity around the post, 
uh, eventually everything that you post is going to be deleted. The problem here is that users will have no historical data as everything is being deleted. So it kind of seems uh, impossible task to hide the deletions of the users in the presence of the adversary that is observing the social platforms in large scale and constantly observing it. Uh, so we asked the question, can we raise the bar in identifying user-initiated content deletions without reducing the archival value? Um, so, so far we have saw the, uh, the motivation and why we need deletion privacy in today's world. And we saw that the current social platforms are not providing privacy for the deletion of the users. Or if they do, for example, Snapchat removing everything, uh, they do it at the cost of basically removing all the archival history of the users. So for, uh, we, in this talk, I'm going to introduce two new deletion mechanisms that we propose. One is called leaf, and the other is deceptive deletions, and we will see them in more details. So the first one is leaf, concealing content deletion with intermediate withdrawals. Uh, why Leith? Leith is a river in the Greek mythology that whoever drinks from it forgets everything. So. <coughs> uh, the main goal of Leith is to provide privacy of the, uh, for the deletions of the user without sacrificing much of availability. So again, we saw that either 100% uh, availability, but you have no privacy, or 100% privacy, zero availability. So we want to have some balance here. Uh, the idea behind Leith is simple but drastic. Hide and resurrect the non-deleted post periodically. So if the post is not seen at a particular time, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was deleted. So it confuses the adversary in distinguishing the hidden post from the uh, deleted ones. Uh, but just hiding and resurrecting introduces the trade-off between privacy for the deleted post and the availability of the non-deleted post. So we have to uh, consider this uh, trade-off between privacy and availability also. So look, let's look at an example. Let's say this, uh, your Twitter feed has three tweets and these tweets are going through an intermediate withdrawal. So it's hiding and resurrecting each of the posts at different times. So this is how, if you refresh your Twitter feed every second, this is how it's going to look like. Uh, the key <coughs> idea behind our design is the intermediate withdrawal of the non-deleted posts. I emphasize on the non-deleted posts. Uh, so in the figure, we see the visibility of a particular post through a 24-hour period. So this is over 24 hours. Uh, this is the visibility of a single post. Uh, it has been taken to a hidden phase three times for a duration of around two and a half hours, resulting about 90% availability for that day. Uh, I may refer to these visible periods or visible uh, durations as up periods and the hidden phases as down periods throughout the rest of the stock. Uh, I guess the important note that I want to emphasize here is that when a post is at any of these down periods, the observer of the post are unsure of the fact if it's hidden or is just deleted. Um, and it's important to note that if a post is deleted, obviously it's just going to be taken into a hidden phase and it's going to stay there indefinitely. 
So let's look at our threat model. Um, we are considering a very strong adversary in terms of data observation. It is able to access the platform continuously and take snapshots of the entire platform with the goal of identifying the deleted posts. It can determine the deletions by comparing two snapshots. If in one snapshot the post is not present and present in the other one, then just doing a simple diff, you can figure out which posts have been deleted. Uh, the adversary can act as a normal user. It can add and delete posts from the platform at any time, but it obviously cannot delete the posts of other users. Uh, and lastly, in this work, we are considering the adversary that analyzes the data in large scale, meaning that if that it scavenges through all the withdrawn posts to find as many sensitive deletions as possible. Uh, we are not aiming to prote uh, protect against a devoted stalker or someone who stalks a particular user or post over a really long duration. Uh, now let's look at our security and system goals, which are deletion privacy, adversary overhead, and availability. And I'm going to explain each of these in more details. Uh, <coughs> so. Deletion privacy is the uncertainty about a post being deleted or just temporarily withdrawn at any uh, given point of time. So if a post is at an uh, up period, so it's visible, obviously it's not deleted. The uncertainty comes from the fact that when the post is not visible. So we captured that by the likelihood ratio of the observed sequence of up and down periods from the creation of the post, condition, of the condition on the post being deleted, uh, or not at a current time, which is denoted by TC here. Uh, the goal is to limit this likelihood ratio uh, in, in an increase in the LR value, uh, which is the likelihood ratio, uh, means that uh, the certainty of the adversary about a post deletion has also increased. So the lesser values of the LR denotes better privacy for the users. Uh, in our approach, the up and down durations are drawn in an IID fashion, independent and identically distributed fashion, where uh, the probability of the sequence that I said, sequence of the observations, uh, is the product of the probability uh, is the product of the probability of observing each duration regardless of the post being deleted or not. So it's just the product of the probabilities of those durations. Uh, except for the last up and down duration where one of them could have been cut by a deletion. Uh, so assume that you're in an up phase and it, it should have been like 10 minutes. After two minutes, a deletion happens. That is being cut by a deletion. Uh, so it's really important to also consider the last up and down duration. And so as soon as something comes back up, you know that is not deleted. So you can uh, disregard everything before it. And now only less, we can only look at the last up and down periods. Uh, so the last up and down periods are shown by delta TU. Um, uh, the, the last up duration is delta TU, and delta TD is the last down duration. Uh, we show the observation periods with uh, notation O and the real state of being deleted or not by R here. So if R at time TC is zero, it means that it's deleted. R, TC, uh, R at TC equals one, uh, it means that it's not deleted. So skipping all this uh, mathematical things uh, for driving this likelihood ratio, uh, 
analyzed it with the Bayesian and frequentist approach, and I'm skipping the details. Uh, the likelihood ratio at the end only depends on the PMF, which is the probability mass function, uh, which we, don't, we uh, denoted by small f, uh, and the CCDF, which, which is the complementary cumulative distribution function of the up distribution. So only on the PMF and CCDF of the up distribution and the CCDF of the down distribution. So this is what the likelihood ratio is going to depend on. I'm going to talk about how we drive this further uh, in the upcoming slides. So our next goal is the adversary overhead. Uh, we measure it by precision and recall. Uh, we want this adversary, over uh, adversary overhead to be as large as possible meaning that the precision of the adversary in distinguishing deleted posts versus the just with a hidden post has to be really small. So what is really important for the precision is the false positive. So what we considered as to be a false positive here is that the posts that are not deleted, they're just hidden, but the adversary marks them as deleted. Uh, so this reduces the precision of the adversary. And our final goal is the platform availability, which is the average availability of a post within a period. We want this to be as high as possible. We want this to be 85, 90, and 95%. So this is what we consider in this work. But how do we choose this distribution? So I've been calling, uh, I, I just talked about the up and down distributions. How do you choose them? Uh, one, there's two naive approaches. One could be the degenerative distribution, which the length of the up and down periods are fixed. So if you want 90% availability, we can say, okay, uh, I want nine hours of up period, one hour of down period. That, uh, that will give you 90% availability. But the problem is that during the up duration, you cannot have a deletion happening. And the reason is that it will be immediately cut and the adversary will immediately know that that was a deletion. Uh, Similarly, uh, for the down, since the down distribution is a finite uh, distribution, uh, the adversary, after a very short time, will know that something has been deleted. Another naive approach is to use a uniform distribution. This gives us the ability to delete in during up durations. Uh, but since uniform distribution is also a, has a finite support, shortly after a post-deletion, adversary can flag it as deleted. So we are seeking a distribution that has an infinite support that enables us to delete at any time, regardless of being in an up period or a down period. And because of its infinite support, delaying the deletion notices. <coughs> so going back to our likelihood ratio formula, uh, we saw that it was dependent on the CCDF uh, and the PMF of the up distribution. We call this ratio as the inverse hazard ratio, which is shown on the y-axis of this, uh, this plot. We considered a variety of distributions. I'm just presenting four of them here, uh, which are zeta, Poisson, geometric, and negative binom binomial distribution. Uh, the key point here that uh, I want you to, to see is that the geometric distribution, which is a memoryless distribution, has a constant inverse hazard rate regardless of what is the up period. So whenever your deletions are having, whatever your up durations are, it's just going to have the same effect. 
doesn't matter if it's being cut or is not being cut by a deletion or not. So it's just being constant over time. Uh, the LR also depends on the CCDF uh, of the down distribution, the inverse CCDF of the down distribution. And again, uh, looking at different distributions and presenting the same four here, we see that the heavy tail negative binomial distribution is a suitable choice for our down distribution as it has the lowest inverse uh, CCDF value among all the distributions that we have tried for different uh, down durations. So going back to this formula, what does it even mean? So we saw that if we choose the geometric distribution, this uh, ratio is just going to be constant, right? So if what this means is that the likelihood ratio is going to only depend on the CCD of the down distribution. And what is the parameter is the delta TD. So the LR is going to be converted into a decision, uh, adversarial decision threshold. What this means is that adversarial sees a post that is being down for, let's say, one day, and that is its threshold. It says, okay, if the delta TD, which is the down duration, is more than one day, I'm just going to flag it as being deleted. Otherwise, I'll wait till one day and see if it's still remaining down. So this is a th uh, threshold for the adversary to decide if something has been deleted or not. What this means is also it's, it's a deletion privacy for the users. So the adverse, if a user deletes something and for one day or one week, whatever, depending on the adversary decision threshold, it's not being flagged as deleted, that is the privacy that the user is getting. So basically we are delaying the notice of the adversary in finding something that has been deleted. Uh, eventually, the adverse, if something is deleted, it's just going to remain uh, hidden indefinitely and the adversary is going to just going to become sure and sure as time passes by that something has been deleted. So we're just delaying that notice. And that could be just enough for someone, for example, going maybe one example is that Ed Sharon thing. Uh, if it was delayed by, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, the all hype of the release of a new album has already been uh, uh, all down and nobody would have cared anymore. Or if it's like a, a voting time or like election time, after the election, probably nobody ever cares anymore. So in this part, we like to also evaluate the usefulness of our system. And we want to answer a key question. In practice, how hard is it for adversity to take deleted posts in presence of our system leak? Uh, we took Twitter as our data set and we collected the one percent random samples of daily tweets from October 2015 to March 2017. Uh, in this one person uh, data set we, that we collected, we collected over one billion tweets which uh, 100 million of them were deleted over this time period. Uh, from this data set we calculated the average number of daily tweets creations and average number of tweets deletions per day. Uh, next, uh, we have uh, set the mean of our down distribution to be negative binomial uh, as one hour, and the mean of our up distribution to be 6, 9, and 19 hours to achieve the 85, 90, and 95% availability. 
we take one day as our experiment unit, uh, as our time unit, and for our simulation, we assume that the creation and deletion notification are received in batches every time unit, which is one day. We continue the experiment of toggling uh, between up and down periods for over 10 years, and basically uh, count the number of tweets that are not deleted, but the adversary flags them as deleted just because they have been uh, hidden phase. And basically counting the false positives. So uh, the figure here is showing the, is representing our results. On the x-axis, we have the decision thresholds that I was talking about. So 30, 60 to 180 days, meaning that, for example, when the decision threshold is 60, the adversary waits for two months and then flag something that has been still remaining down for more than two months as, del as uh, deleted. Uh, we see that uh, the adversary precision, even for 95% availability, is less, less than uh, 50%. So if you consider your system availability to be 90%, the adversary precision for even six month period is going to be less than 40%. So overall, with Leith, uh, adversary has a low precision in identifying deleted content for different thresholds for all values of platform availability. Uh, we also uh, looked at the actual number of false positives that the adversary hits. Uh, so if we consider 85% uh, availability of the posts and the decision threshold of the adversary to be 30 days, uh, the adversary is marking uh, about 1.6 trillion tweets uh, over this 10-year period as uh, deleted where they were not actually deleted. But if we increase the platform ability to 95%, so uh, most of the time the post is uh, available, and the adversary is more patient now and waits more than six months, uh, that is reduced to 340 billion tweets over the 10-year period. That is a lot uh, if you count like how many tweets daily it has to investigate that are falsely flagged is going to be around 100 million. Uh, so we also looked into the utility of the system, meaning that uh, how Leith affects the, uh, the, the utility of the posts. Uh, what is considered a utility here? So maybe like the inter uh, what we consider is the interactions around the tweets. Uh, it could be a variety of things, for example, just even seeing it, reading the tweet. But seeing and reading the tweet is not capturable by any machine thing uh, in large scale. So we took the retweets as a proxy, as the interactions around the tweet. Uh, so when Leith is in place, the tweet tuckles between up and down periods. So some interactions could have been missed when the tweet was in the down period, for example, reading it. But since we cannot capture reading, we just see if the retweet would have been missed. So what we did is that uh, we collected uh, 700,000 uh, tweets for one week over uh, November 2011. And we saw that 30,000 of them at least received one retweet. And overall, we had 74,000 uh, retweets. So simulating this and knowing the timestamps of the retweets, we saw that 99% of the interactions, which here are the retweets, 
uh, uh, remain uh, untouched and they could have been made even with our system. So we have, even though the system had 90% availability, the utility of the system was even higher than that, it was 99%. So we saw that LEATH, which was an intermediate, which is an intermediate withdrawal mechanism that toggles between up and down periods for the non-deleted post, can actually delay the adversarial notice in finding the deleted posts. Uh, next, we are going to see deceptive deletions, uh, which is a, another deletion mechanism that we propose. So in the previous work, we introduced an intermediate mechanism, intermediate withdrawal mechanism that uh, tackles the deletion privacy. It offers deniability guarantees for the user's deletions with uh, availability privacy trade-off. And eventually, everything is going to be known by the adversary. It, all the deletions are going to be known by the adversary. Uh, although this trade-off could actually be useful for future large-scale social platforms, for current commercial social platforms such as Twitter, sacrificing even a small fraction of ability is uh, undesirable. So we asked the question, can we enhance the privacy of the damaging deleted posts without breaking the functionality of the platform? Because can we do it on today's world? Uh, we introduced a new deletion mechanism called deceptive deletions, where given a set of damaging posts, which are uh, presented in red here, uh, <coughs> that the users want to delete, the system selects k additional posts from each damage, for each damaging tweet and deletes them all together. So assume that you have a pool of volunteers that are offering non-damaging tweet, non-damaging posts, and there exists our mechanism, which we also call it as challenger, and selects K of them, K for each of the damaging tweets, and deletes them all together. So here, for example, in this uh, image, the K equals one. So for each damaging tweet, you select one non-damaging tweet and delete it all together. And the task of the adversary is now to figure out, seeing all these deletions, which one was the damaging or the sensitive one. Uh, we call this uh, uh, offered posts and the ones that are selected to be deleted as decoy posts, and therefore the name uh, deceptive deletions. So the key idea here is that deleting non-damaging posts along with the damaging posts to confuse the adversary. Uh, so intuitively, our mechanism or our system is going to be more effective if the selected decoy posts are similar to the damaging ones. So these two opposite goals where the adversary is trying to figure out the damaging ones and the challenger is trying to select some decoy posts that are actually looking damaging but are not damaging uh, are creating the opposite goals, right? And they create a min-max game between the adversary and the mechanism, uh, or the challenger here. Uh, we have analyzed, which I'm not going to, the, the interactions between them and how uh, uh, the formulas work. I'm just going to skip the details and continue to just show you a glimpse of our results. But before that, uh, since deletions are happening at different time times, right? So deletions are not happening in uh, all at once. It's happening throughout time by different users. 
V, what we did is we discretized time into different time intervals. And then we say, okay, this time interval could be one second, could be one day, it doesn't matter. And we, uh, we do our analysis of this whole game between the challenger and adversary in each time interval. Uh, we considered three types of adversaries in, our, uh, uh, in this work. One is the random adversary where it knows based on the prior of the distribution of the deleted post, which for example could be 30, 50% of them are damaging, 50% are not damaging. So it basically just uh, tosses a coin and says, okay, this is damaging or not damaging. That's one type of adversary, which is uh, the naive one and is our baseline. Another one is the static adversary where it has a machine learning classifier to distinguish the damaging from non-damaging post but it is just trained in the first interval and we just use it for testing in the other intervals. Uh, this is mostly what the state of the work is out there and most of the uh, research that is going on is only considered the static adversary. Next is the adaptive adversary, which also learns throughout time. So as time passes and it classified from the, uh, it learns from its mistakes from the previous uh, time, uh, time intervals. Um, so these are the three type of adversaries. The, so here we are showing the results of the three adversaries when there is no deletion mechanism, decoy post mechanism, or deceptive deletions in place. Uh, here, again, we captured the adversarial uh, performance by a precision recall which here is just representing the F-score, which is a combination of both. Uh, we see that the random adversary is performing the worst, which is kind of obvious. And the key takeaway is here that with a even very simple uh, machine learning task, you, the adversary's uh, performance can increase uh, to almost 75% after just five intervals. Uh, this, uh, these are being uh, compared with real tweets uh, of in Twitter data, in Twitter uh, platform. So what happens if we insert deceptive deletions? So if we have decoy posts being deleted, all the adversaries are going to have a worse performance. The key thing is that even the adaptive adversary that is also being trained, so it learns from the decoy post that the challenger is sending it, still has, still the, as time passes, its performance is just being lowered. Um, and I guess the ultimate goal here is to get the static and adaptive adversary as close to as random adversary, so just random picking. Uh, and for that, I think we need more data and more time to see if we can, after like what happens after 10 intervals or 100 intervals. But since this labeling of the data is being done by hand and we're doing it through Amazon Mechanical Turks, it's costly and timely uh, and cannot be done on the fly. So we're, con we're constraining ourselves to only 10,000 tweets. And if we can increase this 10,000 tweets to 100,000 or 1 million tweets, have much better uh, results. So 
I conclude with the main takeaways from this talk. Uh, in the first step, we showed the importance of deletion privacy in today's world and saw that current social platforms do not provide deletion privacy or to provide privacy, they remove all the user's historical data. Uh, next, I introduced Leith, which, is a, which was an intermediate withdrawal mechanism that toggled the non-deleted uh, non posts between up and down durations to confuse the adversary whether something is deleted or just hidden. And finally, uh, I gave an overview for the deceptive deletion that deletes some non-damaging posts as decoy posts to hide the damaging ones. Uh, overall, we have considered really strong assumptions on the capability of our adversary, for example, observing the entire platform, taking snapshots every second of, uh, of all the users. And in a, the real world, adversaries are not going to be this powerful and uh, are going to be much more restricted in the view of the platform and will be limited by computing power and memory to store all this data. So potentially having much better results that I just that I presented here. So thank you and I'm open to any questions. Okay. Any questions? So uh, in the case of like the decoy posts, um, uh, you took the example of taking K as one, right? Like, so uh, did you try changing that and how does the F score change in that case? Like if you have yeah. two decoy or three decoy posts for? So the result that I showed that it was lower, it was mm -hmm. K equals two. And as okay. K increases, uh, the result gets better and better. Mm -hmm. But since uh, it will have a diminishing value also, meaning that uh, it's not necessarily the case that if you delete all the decoy posts, for example, k equals two, to the whole set is going to have better effect necessarily uh, than just k minus one. I mean, uh, the whole set minus one, mm -hmm. and you'll be losing all those posts for later times to have decoy posts for later. That uh, so this is a continuous thing as time passes, right? So if I delete all, if I select my k to be large, I'm losing lots of posts and not gaining that much perform adversarial performance. Mm -hmm. So. A follow up to that. So, uh, so in that case, uh, how does the challenger decide what constitutes a good decoy post for that particular post? Is there some sort of like mechanism to determine that, or why not create a fake post and then delete that? Why to use an actual deleted post for that? Sure. Uh, it's a your it was a two part question. So the first part is uh, the the challenger will have some access to the adversary. So just querying the adversary's classifier for uh, also learning that what is the adversary is going to do based on my, this tweet. So if I'm going to delete this tweet, would it have effect on uh, the, what, what would the probability of the adversary identifying this as damaging or not, right? So that's one, we consider access to the adversary's classifier, which again is threefold. Uh, it's going to be no access, restricted ad access, or just replicating the adversary on your own. Uh, that's how the challenger learns how to do better, uh, identify the decoy post. Your second one was? Why not create like fake posts oh, and then so, okay. like, delete it, yeah. Would you be open to Twitter posting on your uh, Twitter feed something that you have not said? Post that like collection from different places no, and if, not yeah, sure. personal if accounts. If the adversary knows that uh, this is not a coming from not a real user, it's just going to disregard it regardless, right? So if there is like fake bots on Twitter that are generating these posts 
and our challenger is choosing those posts to be decoy posts. Uh, the adversary also knows that, right? So it knows that there's lots of uh, machine learning techniques to identify bots in Twitter. So if you identify such tweets or like accounts that are uh, generating fake tweets, uh, the adversary, as soon as he sees that from uh, these tweets or posts from the, this account, is just going to disregard it and know that it's not damaging. The other solution is that you allowing Twitter to post on your behalf whatever it wants, which is, has, I guess, moral issues that uh, nobody's, at least I think nobody's going to accept. That's an interesting, I'm just, I, I'm imagining how to make this work that uh, essentially, you know, because they don't want it to be bots, they want it to be Remember. indistinguishable. So you just, kind of they randomly take other users posts and put them on yours instead uh, and so put yours guess, somewhere else is i think <laughs> you're getting to the question of how do we create this volunteered post i mean yeah this pool of create posts. the pool of posts so, because if you're taking it from a limited pool you could say oh i've saw i saw this post someplace else it must be one of the fakes yeah so uh, deletions already adversary. happen once, right? So if a post is deleted once, it's deleted. I mean, you cannot yeah. bring it back. And but, but the question is, how can this scale so that Twitter can generate the, the fake posts at scale? So there's a couple of approaches. One can be uh, pay forward, meaning that if you want to delete, you have to pay for it yeah. in some manner. It could be monetary value, where even if you offer your post, you get some money back, right? So that could be somewhere to gain some posts like that. Or if you want to delete some damaging posts, you have to offer 10, 20 of your non-damaging posts to the system. To delete. To delete for later, I mean, yeah. for other users. Also, we observed that uh, there is this uh, mass tweet deletion services, because in Twitter, you cannot delete a bunch of posts at the same time. You have to go selectively delete one by one. There is uh, services that do this mass deletions of the, for the users uh, right now, currently. We can also, it creates a spike for that user, right? So rather we can take those posts and delete them over a period of time and kind of normalizing it. Uh, if you're deleting, your, uh, like for example, 3,000 tweets, not necessarily all of them are going to be damaging. You can specify like these are the damaging ones, these are the non-damaging ones. Obviously, whatever you're not specifying is damaging, everything else is not damaging, and you tell the deletion service, okay, you have one day, two days, or one week to do this and protect others. Yeah. Um. Um, uh, can the adaptive ad adversary, in the case of uh, deceptive deletion, identify the damaging versus non-damaging posts? Can he, is that a mechanism? Yeah, so it, it tries to do that, right? Uh, so this is what I'm showing on the right is the F-score or the performance of the adversary. Obviously, it's doing, uh, it's identifying some of it that uh, it's not zero. Otherwise, it would have been zero. So I don't know what specific question. No, I, I was just wondering because the F-score performance for the adaptive adversary was poor in itself, so I was wondering yeah, it if becomes, that could be the it reason. It becomes much lower than when there is no decoys. Okay. Uh, so on the left, we have no decoys. On the right, we have two decoys per damaging post. 
so we are showing that, but the decoys are not randomly selected, are specifically selected based on the learning that our challenger has done throughout time. Any other questions? Thank you very much. Thank you.